Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I remember I came home from uh, from kindergarten and I had a big, I had a birthday crown on my head because I was celebrating my birthday, but I forgot that I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> like, I mean, I was in kindergarten. And I remember it was like my uncle like making fun of me. I mean, it was like, it was a joke and they were like laughing about it, but like, they like pointed it out to me like, oh, you celebrate your birthday, you know? So like at a young age, I definitely like, you know, heard that message, you know, for not celebrating your birthday. It was a total bummer though. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Veronica, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you. Hello. So I found out about your work uh, through way of one of our former guests, Jillian, who talked about community. And she told me about the work that you are doing around community and vulnerability, which we will get into. Uh, and I, I remember asking her immediately, I was like, can you please introduce her? She sounds like she'd be a fascinating podcast guest, so I have to talk to her. Um, but before we get into all of that, uh, I want to start by asking what I think is a really relevant question, given the nature of your work, and that is, what social group were you a part of in high school, and what impact did that end up having on the choices that you've made throughout your life and your career? Um, so in, in high school, I was, uh, I was in concert choir, <laughs> and... Before that, though, I I got bullied a lot. I remember really desiring community, and I didn't have I didn't have the I didn't ha- I didn't have really close friends up until I joined Concert Choir. So mm-hmm. um, and I think I joined Concert Choir when I was about I was in like the tenth, you know, maybe the eleventh grade, and. Um, yeah, but before that I was bullied. So I think that impact, the impact of being bullied, um, was really helped me find, find my people and really find or understand where do I belong? Because I was so afraid of, um, really being myself because I was bullied for being myself growing up. So yeah, that was the, that was who I hung out with. (laughs) The bullying thing is such an interesting thing for me because, you know, I never saw myself as bullied per se. Like, I definitely knew I was like a nerdy Indian kid uh, in a town with almost no Indian people, but I never interpreted it as being bullied. I thought, okay, I'm not cool the way Mm -hmm. some of the popular kids are. Uh, What do you think that people misunderstand about the experience of being bullied? Because, you know, a lot of parents are listening to this, and I I wonder what you would say to them. Um, in terms of both, you know, potentially having their kids be the bully, which in a lot of cases, they don't know that that's their kid, or their kid being bullied. Because, I, you know, as I said, to me, hearing you talk about it, I kind of think, oh, is it, you know, being made fun of for cheap shoes? But, you know, I, I'd imagine if it's something that you're willing to talk about here, it must have had a pretty significant impact. Yeah, you know, and I didn't even realize that that had such a big impact on me until later on in my life. Um, but yeah, I think, 
I was bullied from elementary school to middle school to high school. I just, I grew up in a pretty rough neighborhood and, you know, um, I went to like pretty rough schools. So, you know, there was just like a lot of, um, like fighting and things like that happening all the time. Um, so I felt like, yeah, it was just hard for me to find where I belonged, um, in myself. And I think, you know, I also grew up very religious. So I was a Jehovah, my, my mom is a Jehovah witness. So I grew up, um, you know, having a certain community for a long time and then wanting to branch out and then trying to fit in. Um, yeah, it was just like really hard. Like girls were rough. <laughs> girls were really, really rough. So, um, I think, I was trying to be myself and I didn't know what that was. And that, I think that really ties into vulnerability and authenticity because um, I was afraid of being authentic, right? Was that when I was authentic and I was authentically me, like wearing like, you know, um, black eyeliner and like heavy, you know, just like black clothes. Like I was like into like punk rock and things like that. Like I just got made fun of. So I had to pretend that I was someone else in order to be left alone. So, um, you know, and I didn't feel really comfortable speaking to my parents about it because, um, I didn't want them to worry about me or, um, I was afraid of conflict. So that definitely ties into vulnerability, authenticity, like, holding back because I was afraid of, of getting in trouble or taking up too much space or causing conflict. So I hid my feelings and I hid my emotions for a very, very long time because I thought that if I shared myself, then, you know, um, I would get made fun of or people wouldn't like it. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, I think that that's such a, a common experience for so many of us, because even when I talk to people nowadays, who I perceive to have been popular, quote unquote, uh, in high school, it's kind of amazing to have that perception shattered and, and realize they never saw themselves that way. And that it was just this constant, you know, battle to fit in, uh, which is so strange because now we live in a world where people get rewarded for standing out. Uh, one thing I wonder, you know, I, I remember watching 13 Reasons Why, um, the documentary series on Netflix, and, it, you know, from the people in my generation, they say, oh, you know, kids being made fun of online, whatever, like, grow, you know, grow up, be more thick-skinned, get tougher. But the thing that struck me most, I think, when I, when I saw that was that, you know, they did these outtakes, and I think they had a psychologist on there who said that, you know, what you don't understand, particularly for children at that age, is that the scar of what they're experiencing feels so permanent because of the fact that they've had such limited life experience. And so as a result, the sting on a developing brain is really different than it is for, say, an adult. You know, like, I mean, all of us get made fun of for stupid things we do. I get made fun of by my own parents and my sibling, me and my sister, like for dumb things that, you know, I would probably make fun of my sister too, but they're never mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having had this experience, I just, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to hear your opinion on all of that. Uh, and also, you know, what, what you would want parents here to know about this. Mm. Yeah, that was such a powerful um, show. 13 Reasons Why. Um, what I would want parents to know is that it's okay to check in, 
right? It's okay to uh, ask more questions. So, you know, for me in my experience, my parents didn't really ask me a lot of questions. Like I kind of created this uh, filter or like this listening for my parents that I was, I was good, right? Or I'm independent and I don't need anyone. So they treated me like that. So, um, but they didn't really know that deep down I was suffering. And yeah, I think uh, for parents now, if someone is being bullied, their kid is being bullied, or their 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 kid is a bully, right? It's having those real conversations with your kids and with each other, like creating those dynamics in the house, creating better conversations, creating real conversations, checking in, um, you know, asking like, how was your day? Like, what's, how are you really doing? Right. And um, yeah, inviting, inviting those deep, authentic conversations. I mean, and even, even for kids, I mean, those, those deeper conversations might feel like a lot, right. But just even checking in, asking questions, being curious, um, you know, and just really, really making sure that um, kids and kids know that, you know, uh, there's a space to be themselves. If it's not at school, at least at home, there's a there's a place to be you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you mentioned that you grew up very religious, uh, and this is something I always wonder about people who grew up very religious um, in communities like the ones you did. Mm-hmm. What were the pros and what were the cons? Because I know there are definitely pros to having these very strong religious communities. Community being, of course, one of the big ones. Uh, so, you know, one, what were the pros and cons? And two, what impact did that have on the relationship that you have with your parents? Mm. That's a good question. Um, actually, I talked about this on my social media the other day. I, I shared that um, I, I grew up a Jehovah Witness. And the cool part about being a Jehovah Witness or, you know, growing up really religious is that, you know, I did grow up around a lot of community. So I had people that I spent time with and there was also, there was structure and which I really enjoyed. I still, I love, I love structure. Um, and what was cool about being a Jehovah Witness at that time, or, you know, just what's cool about being a Jehovah Witness is they don't celebrate any holidays or birthdays. So mm-hmm. holidays and birthdays were never like a big deal to me, right? So I never made um, a big deal out of those holidays. So I got to actually like spend more time with my family, spend more time with friends. Um, but then there, you know, there's also, that's also a bummer <laughs> to, not, <laughs> to not do that for sure. Um, there yeah. was also cons to that, but um, yeah. The, the, that I would say that was that's a pro. Like it was pretty cool to grow up in in that in in a community. But then uh, the con to it was I didn't get to celebrate holidays, which sucks. <laughs> um, which I love now. 
um, and my birthday, you know, like I, I, I didn't grow up like making my birthday a big deal. So now I make my birthday a huge deal, right? <laughs> a huge freaking deal. Yeah. Um, I love my birthday. And I also love celebrating other people's birthdays. I just love celebrations. It's yeah, so fun. Um, but, but yeah, the con for that, like I, 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 it, it was very strict. Like my life was very limited. So I couldn't do things that other kids were doing. Like I couldn't, um, I couldn't, uh, eat birthday cake in school because that was the same thing as celebrating birthday, a birthday. So, you know, as a kid, that was kind of hard, you know, and, and that might've been that, that was definitely like one of the reasons why I got bullied because I felt like an outcast, right? Like I wasn't allowed to do certain things as a kid because of my religion too. So yeah, I felt like an outcast and, um, you know, I didn't know what was right, what was wrong, what do I really believe in? So, I mean, I stopped going uh, to the church or Kingdom Hall at 13. So uh, I definitely rebelled for a little while after that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was like, it, yeah, I think structured religion is, is like, it, it's, it's so interesting. Uh-huh. to like see how that has impacted my life i think uh i yeah. struggled with confidence so that inspired me to create communities around me and also you know help others cultivate confidence yeah ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So um, I want to come back to the question about the impact that this had on the relation with their parents. But so oh. literally anything I remember about Jehovah's Witnesses was exactly what you mentioned, because I remember the kid who was Jehovah's Witness in school. And I remember the not celebrating birthdays thing. This is out of morbid curiosity. Can I ask why? Like, what is, is there a reason for it? You know, I really don't know. I don't know the exact reason. Um, I think from my understanding, it, it, it was, it's because it's a worldly holiday, right? So like Jehovah Witnesses didn't celebrate things that the world celebrated because it was taking the focus and the attention off of what's important, right? Like that was... That's I think like the underneath all of it. That's the reasoning. Um, yeah. They didn't like participate in worldly things. Like that's what they would say. So yeah, yeah, it was a total bummer though. I remember I came home from uh, from kindergarten, and I had a big I had a birthday crown on my head because I was celebrating my birthday, but I forgot that I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> like I mean, I was in kindergarten. And I remember it was like my uncle like making fun of me. I mean, it was like, it was a joke and they were like laughing about it, but like they like pointed it out to me like, oh, you celebrate your birthday, you know? So like at a young age, I definitely like, you know, heard that message, you know, for not celebrating your birthday. <laughs> but um, going back to the question about how yeah. did that impact my relationship with my parents? Yeah, it was actually really hard. Um, my dad isn't a Jehovah Witness. <laughs> so my mom is Jehovah Witness. My dad's not a Jehovah Witness. And um, that created conflict sometimes. And, you know, when I didn't want to do certain things or he, he noticed when I was restricted from doing a lot of things. So that was hard on him to watch. And um, yeah, it was like, it was hard on my mom when, you know, I slowly stopped wanting to go. My brother stopped going. And they're older than me. So it was hard on my family um, because it was like my mom wanted, my mom didn't have control. So, you know, there's things that I wanted to do, like, you know, live my life and be a teenager and, you know, go to parties and hang out with different people, you know, um, because of that religion was like pretty strict. Like you can only, you're really supposed to only hang out with Jehovah Witnesses. So you know, I wanted to hang out with friends and like, you know, go to parties, whatever. And that's why I stopped going. But yeah, it was like really hard on my mom. It was really hard because she wanted me, she wanted me to be safe. Right. And that's like, that was, that's how she know. that's what she knows is safe, her religion. Right. So that was, that's her community. So 
yeah, I, I would say it definitely caused conflict for many years. And then, yeah, it wasn't until I got older, um, you know, when I just started being myself and, you know, just, it was clear I wasn't going back, <laughs> um, you know, that my mom started to relax and, you know, now, now we have a great relationship. I have a great relationship with my parents. Um, you know, my, my parents are still married. You know, she's still a Jehovah Witness and my dad is, um, that he, he's not religious at all. So they just, I think they just choose to not talk about religion, which is, which is, uh, wild in itself. But, but yeah, I mean, we, yeah, it was hard growing up, but now we have a pretty great relationship. Yeah. So maybe what prompted our conversation was when Jillian told me about this event that you created called Vulnerable as Fuck, which I just, right the moment I heard that, I was like, oh, I need to talk to her. This sounds fascinating. Mm-hmm. But what I wonder is, what is the trajectory that actually led to you creating this event and this community? Like, how did you end up doing this of all things? Mm, yeah. So vulnerability has been my biggest pain. And uh, I think a lot of a lot of us teach the thing that brought us brought us pain or you know like a shadow parts of ourselves. So um you know, I think as I, you know, really dig deeper into why I did this or why why I started Vulnerable as Fuck was yeah, like I definitely getting bullied and not having my own voice and not knowing like if it was safe to be me kept me from, you know, like really like figuring out like, who am I? Who, who do I want to be in the world? And uh, I spent a lot of time in my life, like trying to be someone that I wasn't, right? Like trying to like get the great, get, get the perfect job, make a lot of money, um, you know, work in corporate, be really smart, right? Because like uh, being, being a, like a, a young, attractive girl, uh, growing up was, you know, I got, I got bullied. Right. Like, and so I tried, I remember I just tried really hard to like, okay, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to not be, um, seen for my looks or my hair or like anything physical about me. I'm going to be really smart. I'm going to be really funny. I'm going to be, I'm going to study economics and, and I hated economics. So, you know, things like that. I think the thing that led me to what I'm doing now is fear and pain and the, and I didn't belong. I didn't feel like I belonged. So, um, I was at a time last year, 2019, when I was a part of all these different communities, total extrovert had a ton of friends, went out, partied a lot, you know, and I would come home and just feel alone. And I I had all these friends but didn't feel close to anyone. And I met a guy, I really liked him, and uh, you know, long story short, we were seeing each other and uh, you know, few weeks later, he stopped answering my text. And I immediately just felt like shit. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why, why does this happen to me? Like, you know, I felt this, like, why did this happen to me? You know, um, feeling 
feeling like shit, but, and I didn't feel, I didn't know who to turn to. Right. Because I spent all this time trying to be cool, trying to like look really, um, empowering, you know, like, you know, I like posted on social media, like, Oh my God, my life is great. You know, because I was so afraid of sharing authentically, like, Hey, I feel like shit or, Hey, can you, can I call you right now? And can you listen to me? I just need a friend. So when I, when that happened, uh, when that guy stopped stopped texting me and I like, you know, felt sad and I looked through my phone and I had, you know, 4,000 friends on Facebook and never felt the most alone. And it was in that moment when I realized, wow, the reason why I don't have the friends or the connections or the relationships that I want in my life is because I haven't been real, authentic, and vulnerable. Like, it's not them. It's not him. It was me. Like, I haven't reached out to friends and asked them, hey, how are you? Do you want to spend, do you want to hang out? (laughs) Do you want to come over? Do you want to grab dinner? I was afraid of that because I was afraid of intimacy. I was afraid of connection. I spent so much time, you know, keeping people um, at arm's length from me. So um, I was feeling vulnerable as fuck. I just wanted real conversations. I just wanted to like honestly vent about what I was feeling, what I was dealing with. And, um, you know, I just messaged a few friends and I asked them if they wanted to get dinner. And I called it vulnerable as fuck. And I planned on like leading some intentional, deeper conversations. And, and then it turned into an event series. Um, you know, it turned from six people at a dinner table to 40 people at a workshop. So yeah, I just became obsessed with it. I became obsessed with facilitation, became obsessed with connection, intimacy, communication, leadership. Um, yeah, that's been, been my, uh, it's like my personal journey has turned into my professional journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, to hear you talk about you know a guy who stops texting you because I think I, I've been on the receiving end of those similar sort of ghosting situations and it is one of those things that just it does such a, a you know number on your self esteem because you begin to wonder what's wrong with me like why in the world did this happen all the things that you experienced I, I definitely have felt firsthand um, so there are a couple of things that I wonder about this because, you know, for people listening, we attempted to re-record this once and I know we talked about sort of a framework that we'll we'll actually get into. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that the place that I want to start is looking at this through the lens of gender, because I feel like it's so different for men and women. And, you know, I think that there, there are certain moments in my life. Like I remember once crying in front of a girl and after that, she broke up with me like two days later. And right after that, I was like, I'm never going to cry in front of another girl again. Mm -hmm. Um, because I literally connected the dots with, oh, in my mind, that's what led to the breakup. I look weak. And I think that I'm not alone as a guy to feel that, oh, there's this sort of like, there's like a level of vulnerability that we'll allow. And there's a level where we're like, no, that's going to be perceived as weak. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think that's very common mm-hmm. for guys. Um, so one, you know, what do you have to say to that? Uh, and then two, 
you know, at these events, and I think I asked you this question before, what have you noticed as the difference between the way that women are vulnerable and the way that men are vulnerable? Mm. Ooh, a good one. Yeah, like, I really feel you on that with, wow, when I, I, when you cried in front of this girl, she stopped texting or she, she stopped seeing you and you made yeah. it mean, wow, I'm never crying in front of anybody again. Yeah, there's this uh, expectation on, on men for sure to be strong, masculine, Superman, like the superhero persona. Um, and women too, women on the other end of it too, right? I mean, women have, I think there's there's more of a, there's permission, right? Or expectation for women. Oh, she's sensitive. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of freaking pressure on men to be be strong and to not look weak. And there's not enough um, permission for men to be themselves, share, cry. You know, um, I think the level of sharing, I don't know if there's a difference. Mm-hmm. There is, a, I mean, there is a difference for sure, right? Like there's this, um, I did a workshop with a friend of mine. Michael Bates, uh, he's a men's coach and he's an intimacy coach and, and he works with men. And we actually did a vulnerable AF workshop and called it Ballad of the Sexes. And the conversation was about what, why do, what changes when men and women are vulnerable with each other? With, it, it, is there a difference? Um, and we split up the men and we, and we, we did a workshop together and then we split up the men, we split the women, and then we brought, then we brought, um, the men and women back together. And we, you know, just, just asked if they noticed a difference and yeah, there was a difference. Like there was a difference in the room, different in the space. Um, you know, it was like when, when women walked in the room, the men needed to, um, protect and like that's that this is what I heard in the feedback that I got, but the men needed to like protect and um you know look a certain way, like look strong, right? Because there's these messaging this message or messaging that men get growing up that, you know, don't be a baby. Mm-hmm. You can't don't cry. Um, or don't be a pussy, right? I my dad said that to my brother all the time. Um, and I actually, my brother, my brother's, he, I remember my brother crying all the time and my brother, and it would be really hard for, for him and my dad would be like, don't be a baby, you're such a cry baby. And it would make, it would drive my brother crazy. And I used to, I used to say that my brother is really sensitive. I used to be like, oh, Eric, you know, my brother, Eric is so sensitive. And I stopped saying that now because, uh, I, he just, my brother feels a lot. He's just, it's not that he's sensitive. He's just, uh, he feels his feelings. He feels his emotions. And um, I think it's beautiful. I think it's, I think it's incredible. Like all of us, men, women, there, there needs to be, uh, you, you need to release pain, trauma, in whatever way it looks like. If it's screaming, if it's 
jumping around, if it's, you know, taking a breath, you know, all of it uh, is, comes out differently. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things that I just like, that would be, I remember if I ever got to ask, you know, Brené Brown a question, it would be like, yeah, Brené, whatever, like, you're not a guy. That would be my response to her. (laughs) Um, But it is, it's kind of amazing. You talk about feeling feelings, because I think that that, in all honesty, has taken me a lot of work. And it's a balancing act, too. I mean, you know, to some degree, you're a public figure, as am I. And, um you know, I, I've learned this in a way that I haven't before, particularly in the wake of this Netflix documentary that I was in that like millions of people have now seen, apparently. Uh, you know, what I wonder is, you know, and I think this kind of makes a perfect segue to talking about what we were talking about last time, um, is this sort of fine line between vulnerability and train wreck. You know, mm-hmm. people on Facebook, I'm guilty of this, I've seen it, where they, you know, of using their audience as their therapists, of um, you know, not really, there's sort of this fine line of, okay, maybe this isn't meant for public consumption. I only know this because I nearly ran a business into the ground with, um, you know, like oversharing. It was kind of like, this is inappropriate. And I think the thing that happens, uh, you know, particularly if you're a public figure is that more and more you begin to see that how I show up in the world shapes the perception people have of me. But not only that, it shapes the perception uh, people have of all the people who surround me, whether that's, you know, investors, editors, publishers, agents, teammates, whoever it is. Because if you're in the public eye, everything you do is a reflection on everybody else that surrounds you. And you are too now, probably in a bigger way than you imagine being. So I wonder what impact has that had on your own ability to be vulnerable? Mm. So good. I actually, I shared something about this on my social media the other day, uh, vulnerability versus oversharing yeah, and calculated vulnerability versus authenticity. And yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, in, in my work, right. I talk about vulnerability. I have to be vulnerable, right. Or I, I have to, I have to share, you know, I can't walk around and just like, pretend that you know I'm good and I don't need to do anything right or even when I lead workshops I need to share the most vulnerable thing right because it makes other people feel safe around me right and yeah there's this different there is a difference of of uh calculated vulnerability like calculated vulnerability is like this desired outcome like i'm going to share something i'm going to share this deep deep dark secret in order to get something from you right or in order to like open you up or you know that there's that and then there's authenticity which is sharing to actually develop a heartfelt connection right and often and vulnerability versus oversharing um yeah oversharing I see that all the time, right? I do it myself also in conversation sometimes, right? It's just, it's a, it's, it's just an awareness and, and learning how to develop a practice and awareness for it. Like, yeah, sometimes I overshare. And when I'm in the conversation with someone, I get really excited. Um, I go really deep. Like I tell my friends to get the scuba, the scuba gear when they're talking to me sometimes because we go really deep. Um, and sometimes the 
not everyone is available for your vulnerability, right? Um, not everyone deserves your vulnerability. So yeah, I, sh- I, I do have to talk. I have to talk. I have to share on, on my social media and my workshops, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of what I share. Um, I, I only share with people I really trust. Um, and there's intention, like there has to be intention behind the share, right? Like there's questions to ask yourself. Um, and I've gotten this from Brene Brown. There's before you share something vulnerable, ask yourself, why am I sharing this? Is this person a trusted friend? Is am I crossing any boundaries by sharing this? And is this person in the right place to hear me? Right? Or am I sharing this to get sympathy? Some people I see that. Some people share these like really, really, really vulnerable things constantly on on Instagram or Facebook. And it's beautiful, right? And, you know, there's, then there's like something else at the end, like I'm sharing something really vulnerable and buy my program. Exactly. (laughs) Right? Like, (laughs) you know, um, yeah. And I mean, I, I hear it all the time. Like I hear it in the coaching industry, like be vulnerable. And yeah, it's vulnerability is, is, is mutual. It's a tool and it's uh, a quality that helps, that develops connection. And it's a gateway to intimacy and connection, right? And some people use it and abuse it. And and those people that do use it and abuse it or, you know, use it in a calculated way, you for I, for me I, I I see it I feel it I notice it probably I can tell like you can just tell sometimes and um you know and then and it's also a practice it's an awareness to just build some muscle sometimes I just talk a lot like I'm probably talking a lot, talking a lot right now <laughs> and it's a it's just a muscle to be aware of and to practice and notice in your sharing when you're talking to others. I, I appreciate that you brought up uh, people using it as a tactic. I, you know, I actually had a piece that I started writing about vulnerability as not a marketing tactic. I don't, I, I don't think I've ever published it because I could flush out all my thoughts maybe after this conversation. <laughs> what to say about that? But uh, you know, one of the things that I wonder, and I, I know I asked you this before when we attempted to do this the first time, is you know, what has surprised you that people have shared, but more importantly. Uh, both men and women, what has surprised them about the things that they were afraid to share, but they ended up sharing? Mm. Yeah. What surprised them? Some I remember this this guy came to Vulnerable AF one or a couple of times. He came a lot actually. And the first time he came, I remember he said, he's like, I thought that I was gonna come here and just talk about all the shitty things about myself. Uh, all the shitty parts of myself that I didn't like. And then I actually feel so much more lighter and connected to myself. And I actually learned to love those parts of me that I didn't love before. Um, so people get, 
know, people share, people share a ton of things. Um, you know, talk about, they talk about being, being gay, um, questioning their sexuality. Um, you know, not loving themselves, not loving those parts of them that they didn't realize were one of their greatest strengths. So, I mean, like, and that's the beauty of, of vulnerability is, is it's not sharing in order to fix something or to get something. It's sharing something because it develops connection, right? And it's saying, yeah, me too. <laughs> not like, oh my God, me too. Like, let me help you. And I know, let me fix you. Let me change you, right? It's like, yeah, I freaking. That's the problem with having friend or coaches. Like ninety percent of the time, you don't get somebody who listens. You get people who offer solutions. Mm. Well, that's why. That's why it's really, really important to to talk about boundaries, give agreements. Um, you know, it, you know, I I even say this. I have friends that are coach. I have a ton of friends who are coaches, and I say this when I ask for help or when I when I call a friend. I say, hey, I really want to, can I share something with you? But I, I just want, I just want you to listen. I don't want any coaching or advice. <laughs> <laughs> and then some people are like, yeah. Or, you know, you create, you start developing relationships that, you know, where you get to share and then your friends know you and they, they know that they can listen to you and they say, do you want me to just listen or do you want my advice? Yeah, I mean, it's just funny how you have to preface that with friends who are coaches because <laughs> I think they're is that they can't it off. Yeah, um, there was one example that you gave me last time that I you know you didn't bring up, but I if you don't mind, I would want I want to revisit yeah. it because it struck me as particular. You mentioned, and I, the reason I think this struck me in particular was because I related to it. Like you mentioned, there's a guy who was like in his mid twenties who got up in front of a room and told people that he was still a virgin, and like you know. I I can tell you this as somebody who lost my virginity much later than most people do. I felt so self-conscious about it. It was like the bane of my existence for years. Um, and so when I heard you know, the idea of somebody getting up in front of a room, particularly full of women and saying that, I thought, God, that sounds horrifying. Um, what was the experience of that for him? And, and what was the response from the people in the room? Yeah. So I, I remember that conversation. Um, so the, I always set agreements in every workshop and the agreement, one of the agreements is no coaching, no advice unless it's requested. So, and, and we're practicing listening. So when someone shares something like that, that's really or if someone shares anything, the, you know, the agreement is to just listen and, you know, not, so no one said anything. Um, but in the group or at, at the end of the workshop, a bunch of people thanked him for sharing. Like, thank you for sharing that. It actually makes me feel so much, uh, more free to not have to have sex with anyone. Um, because you shared that, I feel um, 
just closer to you. Like I remember someone that I feel closer to you and you give me permission to not have to have sex with a sex with people that I don't want to have sex with. Yeah, that was that was the, the response. I guess yeah. that one in particular struck me because I think for so many guys I'm totally finally disconnected, like, you know, validation from females, particularly in the form of sex, is very, very directly tied to their sense of self-worth. Mm. Uh, and that's why I think that that example struck me so much because, I would, you know, for me it was for a really long time, you know, I mean, probably even as late as last year, I got so much of my self-worth from validation from women. Mm. a good foundation for any relationship, let alone an intimate one. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a big one, yeah. It's like, it's like wow, if I share this with you, Will you still love me? Will you still find me attractive? Right? It's like. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's when I dated girls who are extremely attractive, like I was a total late bloomer. And, you know, there are moments when I'm like, wow, I'm intimidated by your dating history. You were actually cool. I mean, <laughs> and now you're dating me. You know, <laughs> like that's. It was was the strangest thing to me that that, 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 like, I'm like, wait a minute, you're dating me, but I'm insecure about the people that you've dated in your past. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like all this, these, these stories that we create about ourselves because of the things that we think we should be doing or the things that we think define us. Right. And, And sexuality is a huge, a huge deal. Um, yeah, and it's it's scary to share that in front of women, right? And it's also freaking yeah. You know, I was the guy who never went to the school prom, and you know, so it's like you date a girl who's attractive. It's like, oh, of course you had a date for the prom. I'm like, I'm the guy who didn't even go to the prom. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. So you ever think dating me isn't this a downgrade from what you're used oh. to? But you know, all joking aside, it, like it was really weird that something like that could make me feel that insecure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, you know, and I'm sure on the other side of it, people will probably see you and say, what do you mean? Like you're, you're successful. You have this podcast, you have this going on. You're a surfer, you're a skier. Like, you know, we think, we, we think that people think things about us. Meanwhile, they actually think the complete opposite. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, when I, when I tell people that, you know, I'm, I'm really insecure about my, my look sometimes I'm really insecure about, um, speaking. I'm, I'm actually really insecure about speaking. Um, and I cannot believe I still, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. If someone would have told me four years ago that I would start teaching people how to lead workshops, I would literally laugh in their face like i i couldn't even look people in the eye when i spoke to people because i was so insecure about myself i was like awkward and um i have an adam's apple and i was afraid of people seeing my adam's apple because i got bullied as a kid and they told me that or like you know like they were they made fun of me and and said that, that i was a guy or i was a boy so like I had these, these insecurities about myself and people actually, when I say I'm insecure or I'm insecure sometimes, like, you know, or I'm, uh, yeah, I'm self-conscious. 
people would be like, really? I never thought that. I actually thought that you were, you know, like really, really confident or you put off, you, you have this persona that you're super confident all the time. And you're a good speaker and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, <laughs> really? So yeah, it's, you know, it's being, being ballsy to just share that because people can just relate more than anything. I think the, the funniest thing, and I probably shared this one before, is somebody thought, you know, that because of unmistakable creative, I must be the most self-actualized human being in the world. I was like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so you, you mentioned two of the, the agreements. I'm not sure if you mentioned all four of them, but just for the sake of, of you know, bringing this full circle, what were what you call the four agreements? Obviously, the first one was, you know, no coaching and just listening. Like, what would what were the four? Mm-hmm. So no coaching, no advice. Um, confidentiality. So everything that's, that's said in the room stays in the room. Um, everything like exercises that we do, if they share that with people, that's okay. But if someone shares something personal, no sharing it with anybody outside, um, boundaries. So we're respectful of each other's boundaries, including our own boundaries. Meaning if you need to, go outside and sit on the grass for the entire workshop, go for it. Like I invite everyone to honor them, honor themselves and um, lean into their edge. And if you're feeling an edge that you don't want to lean into, you don't have to do it. So that's another agreement. And um, presence, being present. Present, leave, leave your resume outside, um, you know, practice being, being really present with people. So, yeah, those are the agreements. Well, I have one final question for you, which is how we finish all of our interviews at Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Mm. Someone who is unmistakable is a person who is being themselves, someone who is uh, a badass living life on their own terms and figuring it out along the way. Amazing. Um, well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share your story and your insights with our listeners. Uh, where can people find out more about you, your work, and everything that you're up to? Yeah, thank you for having me again. This was amazing. I loved our conversation. Um, people can find me, or you can find me on my website, so veronicacolinas.com. Uh, you can find me on, I'm very active on social media, so Instagram, Facebook. Um, on my website, you can find upcoming vulnerable AF workshops. I do them online now and, uh, I am doing some in-person events. Uh, I have people leading vulnerable AF in New York, um, and in other parts of the world, like Canada, I'm leading them now in Bali. So very small events, but, uh, doing a lot of online stuff. So you can find me online and. Where else would you find me? Yeah, those those are the best ways to find me. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, 
inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming. Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolves. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.